flight heading at 074. Check your altimeter set, 2946. Corrected center point elevation, 0 feet. Check your barrel and exit. Check your SDS 1230, 3034. Check your field. Check your speed up. Lights out. Welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. Bob, Mo, updated when you're done. Two soldiers at five. We on the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your parker brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn it, half square face. Left turn out. Let's run them up. In the air and on air. The Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, ready burners now. I have got a fighter pilot with us today. I tell you each and every week on a Renegade Aviator radio show with me, David Costa, that I'm bringing you people that demonstrate excellence that I'm giving you people in aviation that do really, really cool stuff. And although I might fly an old 19, well, 1970s vintage Polish military jet, I got somebody with us today that flies the latest, the greatest, a really cool aircraft, really cool person, Kristen Bayo-Wolf, the F-35 demo. Kristen, welcome. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. Starting off, give us a little bit about your background. You're obviously a military pilot, so uh, I think uh, you're captain. I'm going to call you the proper words. You're Captain Kristen Bayo Wolf, and Bayo is a call sign. Explain a little bit about your background and uh, where that first spark hit you to get involved in aviation. Sure. So I grew up as a military brat. My dad was also an Air Force pilot. So moving around all over the country, uh, all over the world, really, and following him around as he went through his flying career. So I got to experience that firsthand. I mean, honestly, never kind of thought I'd be joining the military until really college. About halfway through college, the military spark kind of hit me, and I decided to try to join the Air Force. thought that'd be the best fit for me. And then really through that process, uh, trying to pick a job in the Air Force, the aviation and ultimately the pilot career path really kind of stood out to me because of the traveling involved, the you know the caliber of people I knew I'd be working with, the day-to-day schedule always looks different, always doing a different mission set. So that was kind of about halfway through college when I got that spark, if you will, to pursue aviation and ultimately try to get on the pilot track. Right on. And uh, you're speaking to a former Marine, so I hope you don't hold that against me. <laughs> well, you know, ironically enough, I told my dad I was going to join the Marines, and he convinced me that I should try Air Force first. <laughs> right on. So when you got started, people always ask this, you know, how do these military pilots, how do they get started? Is there a selection criteria or series of steps that they need to take? That's probably the biggest question I get from kids at air shows is where do I start and what are the steps? Yeah, I mean, the easiest answer is to go find your local recruiter and find the path that best suits you. 
There's three paths to, if you want to be in the aviation business, particularly a pilot, you got to have your bachelor's degree and become an officer. So really, there's different paths, whether it's the Air Force Academy, ROTC in college, or OTS. All those look slightly different, uh, but ultimately, when it comes down to applying to be a, become a pilot or to get selected, they look at kind of the whole airman concept, if you will. So physical fitness, GPA, you, know, you take a slew of Air Force tests, you know, medical requirements. All that and, you know, your commander's ranking kind of melds into one single score to make you competitive to get onto that aviation track. Right on. And you're being very, uh, very gracious with this, but there is to become a fighter pilot, right? That's the pinnacle. I mean, all of us that fly airplanes, right? You know, we go, well, you know, it's great. You're an airline pilot. I mean, I fly corporate jets. I've flown airliners. But deep down inside, everybody wants to be a fighter pilot, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely probably the, I guess you could call it the pinnacle or sometimes the most competitive piece of coming out of the pilot track. You know, sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's timing, but it, honestly, it always takes hard work. But uh, really, if you do get selected and you get into the pilot track, it is kind of the, the top guys that go towards the fighter track. And the better you do, the more options you have and the more choices you have as you get through the process to kind of pick which type of jet or which type of airplane, which type of fighter airplane you want to fly. So that's kind of the, the theme there is, yeah, there's, people always say there's luck and timing, but it's always, you know, the hard work will get you up to the top to where you can become that fighter pilot. Imagine that. Imagine how lucky and how well the timing works when you work hard and, and stay focused and do all the steps that need to happen. I think a lot of people sometimes want it to be easier than it is. Uh, you make it sound easy, but that's because you're somebody who achieves stuff. But for the people who might not know that have woken up and have said, what is an F-35A? Could you give us a quick overview of what that aircraft is? Sure. It's really exciting to talk about because it's the Air Force's, or really just the military in general's newest and greatest fighter jet that's still rolling off the lines. So it's really exciting to go out there and fly, you know, like 2016, 2017 model that just came out of the production plant. But so it's fifth gen stealth capable, which is really important, especially in this day and age as stealth gives us the opportunity to go in further behind enemy lines before we're detected and potentially be able to support other assets or do the mission Whereas older jets, fourth gen jets would have been detected earlier, been shot at, a little less survivable. So that's really important. And then the cool thing is, is that we've got three different models. The Air Force is flying the A variant, the Marines are flying the B variant, and the Navy flying the C variant. And those are all modified slightly internally and externally to be able to support the different services. And then other cool part is that we've got a bunch of different countries on board that have the jet also. Last summer, we had a squadron over in Europe fighting with different variants in different countries all flying the F-35, but speaking the exact same language, looking at the same displays. Uh, so that's really, really cool and really powerful to have the integration capability between the countries. And then honestly, the services too, being able to talk to the Marines and the Navy about tactics and they're, we're all talking the exact same language. The A model, the conventional takeoff and landing, kind of what you think of a normal airplane. Uh, we don't do hover, we don't do carrier landings or takeoffs, but carry a similar payload from all of those. And then... Really, those are kind of the biggest highlights of the A model compared to like the B and the C that you'll also see flying out there. Yeah. So these are the aircraft that are going to take us uh, forward from here. People mentioned fourth or fifth or third generation fighters. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically for the average lay person, fifth gen fighter is the latest and the greatest. And we'll probably see these things flying for a long time. I still look at the F-16 and think it's a new airplane. And then yeah. people remind me how old it is. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. So you're part of a demonstration team. And I think when, when people first think of military demo teams, we may have to run this in the next segment, but when people think of military demo teams, they think of the Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels. But the military over the past few years has been showcasing with, um, I guess, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, more formalized demonstration units to really showcase the aircraft up front and personal to the fans of the air shows. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have the ability to show off a single ship demo versus, you know, what everybody usually thinks of, like you mentioned, the Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels that are flying close formation. What that allows us to do is show the maneuvering capability in a way that they're showing precision and execution and just absolute perfection with the formation out there. And we get to show a couple of different things with just a single ship demo, maneuverability, slow speed, high speed, all that stuff, and just focus on that one jet, which is pretty cool. Yeah, like you said, right now, the Air Force at least has four single ship demo teams going on right now, some older than others. And the exciting part is that with the F-35A model, we just started to demonstrate the full demonstration of capabilities last season. So we're excited to bring that this year. Right on. Hey, we're coming up to the first break, ladies and gentlemen. I am with Captain Kristen Bayo, call sign Bayo Wolf. This is David Costa, call sign Taz. I am the renegade aviator. Stay right there. We'll be right back. Pilots are cool. That's why I listen to David Costa, the renegade aviator. So stay right there. We'll be right back. Flight 209er, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Huh? LA departure frequency 123.9er. Roger. Huh? Request vector. Over. What? Flight 209er, clear for vector 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Our radio clearance. Over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Roger, over. What? Huh? Who? This is Captain Kristen Beowulf from the F-35A demo team, and I'm with David Costa on the Renegade Aviator radio show. This is the Renegade Aviator radio show with our host, Dave Costa, if it wasn't enough clear. This is the editor, Mauro Kenji, and come the pilot assistant if you want. I just wanted to say we require you to stay relaxed and enjoy the flight. We still have four segments to go with today's amazing guest, Kristen Beowulf. Couple of commercials and we are back. Stay with us. Ladies, 50 years of age and up. We are well into the new year. Have you started your new fitness routine for 2020? Come join my tribe, a fitness community for women. I am Coach Laura, an ACE certified group fitness instructor and senior support specialist. Every workout is different. We work on strength, cardio, and core in a fun format. We enjoy monthly socials with our group of ladies. Come be welcomed into my tribe. Let me know that you are ready to get fit and have fun. Call or text 800-784-2707. Again, that's 800-784-2707.
and on air. Here he is, the renegade aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, the renegade aviator, Captain Kristen Wolf Bayo is the call sign. She flies a really cool airplane, a plane that anybody would want to get their hands on, F-35A. Captain Wolf, you guys get the word he's really, and uh, you use that term, so I'll use a fighter pilot term, even though I'm not a real fighter pilot, I just play one of their shows. Gucci. So you got these really cool helmets that do really cool stuff, and it's one of the things people ask us at air shows all the time. They go, what are they wearing? The helmets look way different than the helmet I wear in my jet. Could you briefly, I know we're on radio here, but briefly explain with what you can. I understand a lot of this stuff might be classified, but... um, Tell us a little bit about the gear that you're wearing. Sure. Yeah, the helmet is the biggest draw and the biggest interest people have. It costs about $400,000 for each pilot's helmet. When we first start F-35 training, they put us in a 3D kind of model, laser measures your head, your pupils, all of that. Uh, and they essentially form fit the inside of the helmet and the display to only your head and your eyeballs. So each pilot has their own specific helmet, custom fit to them. And then some of the capabilities that are really cool is we've got a night vision camera on the helmet, so we don't wear traditional MBGs attached. That night vision camera displays the the night vision video onto the visor for us. Other things that are pretty cool, we've got six external cameras on the jet that see in IR, and they can put that 360-degree video of IR onto our visor as well. So we use that primarily for another version of night vision, but the coolest feature, I mean, everybody likes to ask about is that that 360-degree view allows you to put that video onto the visor and then look through your body and look through the plane and see the ground below you. So that's a pretty cool feature. We don't have a HUD or heads-up display on the jet at all. Uh, all that imagery is also projected onto the visor. So all the airspeed, altitude, flight path marker, all of that is on the visor in the helmet. Other things that and really just come standard in you know in relation to the other fighter helmets are just uh, the oxygen mask, ear cuffs for hearing other jets, hearing radio calls. That stuff's pretty standard, but those things are pretty unique. That it's all integrated, allows us to be a little more lethal and have that on the visor. Yeah, it's a totally different leap forward in the aircraft. And I think a lot of the times, you know, you look up at an airplane. Okay, it does cool stuff. The F thirty five looks different, right? Then the uh, granted, a lot of people who go to air shows remember P fifty one Mustangs, but this is a new generation, and the avionics yeah. have really come up with it. Here's another question for you, fighter pilot. So I had in my hangar not too long ago an F-8 pilot, a Tomcat pilot, an F-18 pilot. And of course, each one of them said that they had it worse and they had a harder road to hoe. Or the other one said, well, you know, my airplane, you really had to fly. And then they all said about dogfighting. Is there a lot of dogfighting left? I know back in the Vietnam War, we kind of thought for a while with the F-4, we weren't going to be dogfighting anymore. These fighter jets today, what do you see in tactics wise. Are you still doing that, what people think of when they think of Top Gun? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a mission set that we practice. Honestly, I'm going out this afternoon to fly BFM, basic fighting maneuvers against uh, somebody in my squadron. So it's definitely something we practice. You think of it, uh, I mean, ideally, hopefully we never get to that point, especially being a stealth asset. We can you know get the first shot, the first kill before they even know we're there. But it's completely possible in this day and age with jamming all the capabilities that might hinder uh, our stealth capabilities that we may get to emerge with another adversary and have to dogfight and have that skill set. So definitely something we practice, definitely one of the more fun mission sets out there. And we're doing the exact same thing you would see on Top Gun, honestly. 
Right on. Because, you know, people go out to the air shows for that very reason. People show up and they want to see an aircraft showcased. When you're flying out there, are there several different F-35 demo units or are you the sole F-35 demo pilot in the U.S. right now? Yeah, they only allow one pilot to be certified for each single ship demo team. So it's only me right now. We typically serve two seasons as the demo pilot. And then we've got a team that also rotates, you know, one to two years as well of maintainers, public affairs, life support guys. So uh, that whole team is just us at Hill Air Force Base right now. Right on. So part of this is is recruiting, obviously, to showcase the mm-hmm. U.S. Air Force and recruiting and getting people involved. And it's something vital. And it's something I think vital that our air shows do. I think people think of them as a lot of people just, you know, hauling around, having fun in airplanes. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, of course. <laughs> but there is the whole recruiting yeah. side of it. So next question I get, can people come up after you're done flying? Are you visible at the air shows where kids and old guys like me alike and can come up? up and shake your hand and learn more about what you do? Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of, like you said, our whole goal is, yeah, we're going to show off the jet and show how amazing it is. But more than half of our job is to recruit and inspire people. So we try after, before and after every single demonstration and honestly all day at the air show to, you know, come up to the crowd, talk to them, answer questions, get them excited about the jet, flying, Air Force, all that stuff. Particularly if Some of the times we have to fly out of a different location to show up at the air show. And we always try to get most of our team down to the the actual crowd and say, hey, and talk to them and and kind of see what they're thinking, see if they like the jet, you know, ask them questions and uh, get them excited. Yeah, I was at an air show. This was not too long ago. And there's a bunch of uh, ROTC kids there. And I said, show of hands, who wants to be a fighter pilot? I had two hands go up. And I'm going, what do I go? What do the rest of you want to do? And it was Intel and all this other stuff. But I remember when I was a young, just a young little kid out in Atlantic City and the Thunderbirds flew and I got to shake the hand of Lieutenant Colonel Roger Parrish. He was flying jet number one and it lit a spark. So you light sparks out there. I mean, and I'm sure you know that and you're aware of that. You're out there lighting fires wherever you go. It's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, every location we go to, we try to get some community involvement, whether it's, you know, going to schools, integrating with those ROTC cadets is huge, either commissioning people, getting them into the Air Force. That's all really, really cool. And we try to do all that. Uh, Honestly, take advantage of social media these days really helps also. So if people aren't able to actually come to an air show, at least they can see us and see the jet doing the demonstration, the maneuvers, at least online. Uh, So that's really cool. Right on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming up to the next break, David Costa, Renegade Aviator, with Captain Kristen Bayo Wolf. We'll be right back after these messages. Top 10 signs you might not be ready to join the Air Force. Number 10, First Lieutenant Maggie Rudolphy. You're afraid of loud noises, heights, and airplanes. That's right. You may not be ready. Uh, number nine, things, uh, signs you might not be ready for the Air Force. Senior Airman Leslie Toussaint. For you, the thrill of flight is the little package of salted nuts. That's right. <laughs> Number eight, Tech Sergeant Andrea Knudsen. In high school, you were voted queasiest. That's right. <laughs> Number seven, Master Sergeant Kramer. You don't mind flying once you've had a few drinks. <laughs> uh, Number six, Tech Sergeant Josh Haney. You pass out from G-forces incurred from riding an escalator. Uh, number five, First Lieutenant Agnes Leem. Whenever you see an eject lever, you impulsively pull it. Mm. <laughs> number four, Chief Master Sergeant Juan Claudio. Show up to the recruiting center carrying a seatbelt extender. 
And number three, Lieutenant Colonel Bonnie Bossler. Your primary reason for enlisting is to meet Iron Man. <laughs> number two, Master Sergeant Dusty Lee. You giggle every time you say cockpit. <laughs> and the number one sign you might not be ready to join the Air Force, Colonel Marcus Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. Our motto, aim high. Your motto, I'm high. <laughs> Advanced Aviation. When choosing a flight school, look for a couple of very important things. Number one, how experienced are the flight instructors? How long have they been flying? Number two, does the flight school have a maintenance crew on staff that can make sure that the aircraft are safe and ready to fly? Number three, does the flight school offer advanced flight simulation options? There's a time to fly, but simulator training is a valuable part of the process. When I looked at the flight training options in the Reno area, advanced aviation met all these criteria. So will you allow me to make a personal introduction for you and get you in the pilot seat? This is David Costa. I am the Renegade Aviator. 888-366-5256. Call. Advanced Aviation. I'm talking about America. Sweet America. You know, God done shed his grace on thee. Oh my God, I can hardly wait. Here he is, the host of the Renegade Aviator Radio Show, David Costa. All right, David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. That's how you can reach out and call me because part of what we do here is a service to each and every one of you. Sure, we're out here. We're talking about excellence demonstrated. We're talking about overcoming obstacles. We're talking about achieving great goals. That's the mission of this show. The mission of this show is also to promote aviation. And I have been blessed my entire career to have people reach their hand out to me. And when I needed help, when I was stuck, when I ran into roadblocks, there was always somebody in aviation there to help. 888-366-5256. If you're in that same situation, I want you to call my office and I will give you a personal phone call back because we need you. We need pilots out there. Kristen, you've probably run into roadblocks, challenges along your road. I think it's really good for people to hear that when you kind of hit a brick wall, not to give up and not to quit. Is there anything in your progression, maybe during some parts of your training or just some parts of just normal life where you've hit some walls on the path to be, you know, rock star status, man. I mean, F-35 demo pilot, that's rock star status. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not really walls per se or things that are stopping my path. I think the biggest impact in my life has been really big decisions that I've had to make along the way, whether it be what college am I going to, what am I going to study, should I join the Air Force? Should I be a pilot? What kind of jet do I want to fly? All those kinds of things all throughout the way. I think it was really important to reach out to people that have either been there, done that, or have a perspective. And reach out to multiple different mentors in my life, whether that be 
my dad who flew jets or instructors in pilot training, people that I really respected either in or out of the career field to get their perspective and make the correct decision for me. And that happened five or six times that that's happened in my life and really led me to where I am right now, even deciding if I wanted to apply for this job to be the demo pilot. You take a risk whenever you do that, right? So, I mean, even just, you know, you're already a fighter pilot, you're already through the process, and now you want to apply to be a demo pilot. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the pretty high bar. So, you say it very nonchalantly and very full of um, typical military professionalism, but a lot of people get that gut check in their life, right? And they go, well... I don't know, because you could have been turned down. You could have been told no. Oh, absolutely. But it takes a, right, it just takes a level of guts to say, I may get smacked down for even trying, right? It's always easy for us once we get to a certain point to go, hey, you know what? It wasn't too bad. But maybe that, you said something that I just wrote down, right? It's making those decisions. And that's what a pilot does, right? You make a decision every time you step in that jet. Yeah, absolutely. And luckily, those decisions in the jet, we are trained so well and for so minute details are so ingrained in our habit patterns that oftentimes those decisions just kind of come naturally and we don't think about it and we analyze them a lot in debrief afterwards after the fact but the life decisions are the biggest ones that you know you sit and think about for a while and like you said absolutely the possibility exists to get turned down or denied or fail at every single one of those uh, moments in my life but Really just the encouragement of mentors and people around me to say, absolutely, if this is something you want, then just go for it. Nothing bad can happen if, if you don't get selected or if you don't get that job or, or if it goes poorly. Right on. And that's a big thing. We hear this over and over and over again from air show pilots I and mean, military pilots and anybody that does anything with their life. It's that same thing, right? There is no shame in trying, not making it the first time when I was in the service, I was selected for their officer program, but it took me three tries. I got told no twice. And that's okay, right? Because in the end, you either make it or you decide that I had to make a decision in a different way. And that's piloting. And that's why I guess I really put pilots in this realm. It's really great to help people understand their lives and their passion because pilots are kind of out there and in the forefront. It's cool stuff. But a lot of what you've gone through and a lot of what you demonstrate out there as an Air Force demo pilot on the F-35A, even if that person watching you doesn't even want to be a pilot, they're going to get something from what you're doing out there. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. It's honestly humbling to be in this position to be able to show people that and even inspire people. But that's a really, really fun and rewarding job to have. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, another break. Man, this show goes fast, just like a jet fighter. This show rocks and rolls and keeps all moving. We got some more commercial messages because that is what pays for the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. This is David Costa. Stay right there. Pilots are cool. That's why I listen to David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. So stay right there. We'll be right back. Night at 11. Go ahead. Yeah, you talking to Clarence yet? We're getting it now. Okay, is your name Clarence? Because then I can say, call Clarence, Clarence. Close. I like it. So do I. Roger, roger. Over, over. Vector, Victor. Attention ladies, this ad is for you. I am Coach Laura from Tribe, a fitness community for women. I am an ACE certified 
group fitness instructor, and senior support specialist. Our community of ladies of 50 years old and up are getting fit and having fun. We work on cardio, core, and strength. Each class is different, so we're always keeping our muscles challenged with a new workout. Your first class is free. Come meet the tribe. Text or call 800-784-2707. Again, text or call 800-784-2707. David Costa, a legend in his own mind. The Renegade Aviator, in the air and on air. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, talking to an F-35 demo pilot. Although I know, I know the coronavirus is out there. Everybody's in their homes listening to what they're told to do. But the air shows will open up again. The air shows will come back. You're going to want to see really cool airplanes fly. And you are going to have a chance if you keep track and look where the air shows are coming to a city near you to see Kristen Bayo Wolf, Captain U.S. Air Force, fly the F-35A model. And uh, Kristen, thanks again for being on the show here. You mentioned your dad kind of got you started in aviation. We hear this all the time. Parents hear this such a huge part of what we do. I'm a dad that has two daughters, and uh, it'd be really cool if my daughter one day said, you know what, Dad, I'm an astronaut, and she's on a radio show talking about her pathway to become an astronaut. But um, what did your dad fly in the Air Force? He started out as an F-4 navigator, weapon system operator, kind of a backseater, and then transitioned to the F-15C model and flew that for his career. Very cool. F-4 is one of my favorite airplanes. It just proves that with enough jet fuel, a brick can take to the air. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Some of the things that are out there that we can see in the F-35, are there some unique characteristics when you watch the F-35 as a spectator? that set it apart, other than that it looks different, it's a different, it's a new aircraft. Mm -hmm. Are there certain maneuvers and things you do with the aircraft that we should be watching for as you fly? Yeah, and the cool part is, is that all of our shows are narrated by one or two of the maintainers out there. And so they're at Show Center trying to describe all of the maneuvers that I'm doing, which is really cool. So if you can listen to that, they'll let you know what's coming up, what to expect, uh, unique things that we try to do. And it's going to look a little bit different than the F-22, but we have very similar flight control laws as the F-22 in regards to uh, the yaw and the high alpha or high angle of attack maneuvering that we can do. So things that you'll see is what we call a pedal turn, where we kind of not stall the jet, but put it up at a very high angle of attack and put a lot of yaw into the jet, and you'll see the nose rotate around 360 degrees. So that's pretty cool. Obviously, we do a high-speed pass. That kind of excite the crowd. And then we also do a slow speed pass to show you how slow can this jet go. And the flight control computers are running this crazy algorithm and software to keep the jet at a high angle of attack going as slow as it can, which is honestly tactically relevant in a, a BFM fight like we were talking about earlier. Really important to be able to get slower than your opponent, get behind them and potentially uh, use weapons to kill them. 
So you can basically turn inside of them or stay, or your whole goal is to get behind your opponent or get in a position where you can fire. Yeah, it totally depends on what weapons you have remaining on your jet, whether you've just got the gun left and you got to get behind them and fire, or whether you've got A9Xs on the jet and you can look around and shoot. So totally depends on the type of fight. Honestly, depends on the adversary that you're fighting and what their capabilities are in relation to you for you to change up the fight and max perform your jet in relation to theirs to kill before it is possible. Right on. What jet did you come out of, uh, Captain Wolf? Did, did you come out of a different fighter or did you come straight into the F-35? What's your background as far as uh, Air Force aircraft? Yes, I've been flying for about nine years in the Air Force. About two years of that was training. So I flew the T-6 uh, Texan II and then the T-38 C uh, model in pilot training. And then I went and flew the F-22 Raptor for three years at Langley in one assignment. And then I swapped over to the F-35A in 2017. been flying it for about two and a half years. Wow. So you've flown both of the new model jets. But is there a big flying difference between the F-35A and the F-22? Is there a unique set of characteristics to each? Are they the same role? I know it's a lot to get out in like a minute and a half, but since you've flown both, I figured I'd ask. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So fifth gen, like we talked about earlier, stealth capability is pretty similar. The sensors internally, radar, all that is very similar internally to the two jets. The maneuvering capabilities, however, are pretty different in regards to, we've only got one engine. It's a bigger engine, but we've only got one. F-22's got two. Uh, And then the biggest thing is the F-22 has the thrust vectoring that makes it much more maneuverable or more nose authority than potentially the F-35 does. But it's optimized for the air-to-air, particularly the dogfighting realm. And then we're optimized for the air-to-ground. So we've got some other cool capabilities. But Honestly, what people should take away is that these jets were meant to complement each other, and they do so very, very well. Uh, so we'll both be out there, you know, night one of the war, uh, ready to support and be those fifth-gen assets. Right on. Well, I'd be lying as I try to be all Mr. Personal Development stuff and positive, but I need to say this publicly. The Renegade Aviator is extremely jealous right now. <laughs> I know jealous is not a great term, but what a cool airplane. What a cool opportunity you have I wish you the absolute best because we love seeing all these aircraft fly. Captain Kristen Wolf, call sign Bayo. I am looking forward to meeting you in person, not just over these crazy airwaves. And uh, I want to thank you for your service. And uh, I want to thank you for getting out there and showing us what this airplane can do. Oh, absolutely. Thanks, Dave, for having us. And we're just excited to get on the road and show this jet off to the fans again. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, you're here in excellence. You're here in excellence, and you can see it demonstrated at an air show near you. Captain Kristen Bayo Wolf flying the F 35. Thanks again, Kristen. Thanks, Dave. Call our listener line 888 366 5256. Ask a question, leave a comment. 888 366 5256. As soon as I close the door to the aircraft, that's when they begin the safety lecture. I love the safety lecture. This is my favorite part of the airplane ride. Before leaving the aircraft, please check around your immediate seating area for any personal belongings you might have brought on board. Well, let's start with immediate seating area. Seat! It's a damn seat. Check around your seat. For any personal belongings. Well, what other kinds of belongings are there besides personal? Public belongings? 
Do these people honestly think I might be traveling with a fountain I stole from the park? You might have brought on board. Well, I might have brought my Arrowhead collection. I didn't. So I'm not going to look for it. I'm going to look for things I brought on board. Would seem to enhance the likelihood of my finding something, wouldn't you say? Advanced Aviation Reno is my number one choice for flight training in the Reno, Tahoe, and Carson Valley area. Call or text me directly, 888-366-5256, Advanced Aviation Reno. I've arranged something very special for you, my listeners, my fans that are Renegade Aviator Radio Show. If you go to Advanced Aviation Reno and take an introductory flight or a flight lesson with them, you're gonna get a very special incentive from me. Already a pilot, how about getting an instrument rating or maybe a commercial rating, Advanced Aviation Reno. I am hosting a series of multi-engine flying seminars, but you need to call me, 888-366-5256. We'll set it up with my friends at Advanced Aviation Reno. So beast your eyes on the big blue sky And hey, bye-bye from a long back Cadillac Hey, bye-bye's got a bold stars In the air and on air, here he is, the renegade aviator, David Costa. What are you doing right now? This Hunan virus, coronavirus, COVID-19, what are you going to do now? Are you just going to wait it out, do nothing, despair? Are you going to quit? You still have dreams and goals, right? You still have passions, right? Look, whatever it is you want to do with your life, this damned virus is not going to stop you. Is it? Really? So what are you going to do? You just heard me talking to a young fighter pilot flying the F-35A Lightning, a really cool jet. Do you still want to be able to go outside and see stuff like her jet? Like my jet, the TS-11 Iskra? Maybe you like World War II-era airplanes. Maybe you like home-builds or classic aircraft. You want to see what's possible when a true expert is at the flight controls of one of these aircraft? Do you want to hear them, see them, experience the smells and the vibration of these aircraft up close, feet off the ground, and then walk right up to people like us who fly this stuff and shake hands, ask questions, and maybe even get your selfie taken? It takes money. It takes interest. It takes people willing to step up if you want to see this continue. Do you want to see the look on your kid's face when they experience this for the first time ever? Then why are you sitting there? If you sit there, if you do nothing, if you wait for someone else to do it or the government to fix it, then you and I are in for a shock. Without you getting involved, none of this matters. We are the USA. We don't comply. 
We seek to do what we dream about. We figure out a way when the first three ways we tried don't work out the way we planned. Air shows are a vital part of aviation. Air shows are a vital part of an international expression of excellence demonstrated, achieving great goals and overcoming obstacles. You have an opportunity right now to get involved. You need to visit my website. Renegade AV, the number eight R. Look for the word Mayday. Find out all the ways that you can help us promote aviation, promote air shows, promote air show performers, and promote aviation businesses that are willing to step up and help. At the very least, you can find this radio show and you can find our podcasts. You can like those podcasts and share those podcasts. That costs you nothing, but it allows me to do what I do. RenegadeAviator.com. In your car, call or text, hands-free please, 888-366-5256. This is David Costa. I am the Renegade Aviator in the air and on air each and every week. See ya. So peace to